Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. This is Feeding, and I'm driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. At the time of this publishing, we're only two weeks from Ramadan 2024. If you want to get short daily prayer prompts to better pray for Muslims during Ramadan, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you want them in your inbox, sign up at ontheroad.link. That's ontheroad.link. Today's conversation is a repost of an interview I did with the authors of Stubborn Perseverance. Let's jump in. I'm excited just to talk to you guys about the book Stubborn Perseverance and yeah, just hear a little bit about it. So maybe just James, I'll ask you first, feel free to introduce yourself, but then maybe you could share the backstory of kind of the book and, and what brought about just the idea of writing like Stubborn Perseverance. Thank you, Penny. It's a privilege to be here. I appreciate your interest in Stubborn Perseverance. Um, briefly, my wife and I have been in our country, uh, Indonesia, for 32 years, and we've been working among three Muslim people groups there, total a number of 5 million. And what we wrote is basically a, a case study, if you will, of what God has done uh, in and through what we've been involved with. When I set out to write the book, I started with the CPM principles that pretty much all of us that um, are are pursuing movements would follow in terms of God's glory, person of peace, oikos, local leaders. You know, so I started with those mm-hmm. principles, and I wanted to illustrate them because by that time, my wife and I had been teaching movement principles for years, and we just saw the benefit of having story. Mm-hmm. And be able to have like flesh and blood illustrations of what these principles looked like. And so that was my starting point is these are the principles that we want to illustrate. And then all of us on this call would agree that Jesus is the answer for every problem that man has. And so what I wanted to show through the book was how the gospel speaks so powerfully to people wherever they're at. And so it tracks the journey that multiple people have in coming to Christ. The third thing is I wanted it to be true to Indonesian life and culture. And so I wrote the book and I consulted with numerous Indonesians to say, is this accurate? And so um, I wanted it to to feel like Indonesia. And so I did actively pursue input from from Indonesians. And then fourth, um, I wanted all the stories in the book to be true. Mm. And so every story is true. Not every story comes from our ministry. In order to illustrate some of the principles, I needed to borrow from other ministries in other parts of Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So the stories are true, not all from our ministry. People ask me, well, are the people true? And and the answer is no. The people that are in the book are composites. Mm -hmm. And simply, I wanted to tell a story. And so I, I created these people that are composites of real people. And then, as I mentioned, the stories are all true. Go ahead, Robbie. I was, uh, uh, let's see, I, I, I was helping produce an issue of Mission Frontiers at the time that David Garrison uh, was preparing to publish Wind in the House of Islam. And so we were going to focus the issue on movements among Muslims. And I cast a wide net for just anybody who'd written on that topic. And somebody introduced James 
to me and he mentioned that he had he i think he sent me a chapter from the book and i said this is great material i'm not sure it quite fits in here but tell me more about where this is from and he described this book he was working on i said uh, can i help you develop that uh at least send me some of the material and let's see where it goes and uh we worked really hard over several uh, at least probably at least a year uh, i was going to say several months but maybe beyond a year uh, just going back and forth with my awareness from a variety of movements of principles and trying to help james clarify what he was attempting to communicate and so uh, i think we ended up with something that was much more polished than he might have expected in the beginning as delayed from the timing but uh once we got it out, it's really taken on a life of its own, and people have been discovering it and, and very interested. Yeah, yeah I want to add, give Go a ahead. shout out to Robbie. Um, when he volunteered to to do um, <laughs> the work, um, he is a master wordsmith, and so um, we went over every line of every page yeah. uh, meticulously. And uh, so Robbie was just an expert in being able to to wordsmith, so it flowed and and used good good language i think so um and very i feel very indebted to to robbie and his excellent work and editing and made numerous numerous helpful suggestions as well one of the things that i uh, somebody captured for the book about me we didn't realize i didn't think about it at the time but james has really captured using the discovery method to teach the discovery method mm. that is he's telling a story and asking questions and letting the reader either as an individual or preferably even as a team with a mentor to uh, discover and think through and pray through how these principles can apply for their circumstances. So it's not just an academic exercise. It's not just reading. Um, it's a, it's an experience in the discovery method, mm -hmm. just so, like you would do with the scripture itself. Yeah, I'll just commend to anybody listening the the story, the power of just the story. Um, we probably most people that listening have maybe listened to too many podcasts. My apologies for this one, and or we can always read. It's really not too hard to find another book that has some more kind of principles, but um, stories just capture us, and that's what I found as I read it. I was curious. I don't know if this is the next question about tell us about the book, but I was thinking like tell us the perspective that you kind of told the story from because i'm realizing as you're sharing james you didn't really tell it from like the missionary's perspective you more told it from the the national kind of le local leaders perspective am i right there i would just kind of love for you to tell us kind of the how the book kind of overviews or how you set it up yes well one of the goals in writing the book was to say you can do this and so i really wanted to make make it uh, practical and so one of the endorsers said this is like having a front row seat to movements mm. and so um that was the overall our overarching goal and so in terms of the book it starts with a team that's trained and yes you're right it doesn't focus on the missionary that is assumed when the book starts they've been trained and they have a coach Mm -hmm. And so essentially what you have is three couples who are captivated by this calling that they are aching to see their people reached for the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so they covenant together to apply what they've learned. And so the book starts off by the meeting and they're discussing what they've already learned about CPM principles. And then they're committed to going out and 
applying. And then they come back and they share. Well, as I mentioned, we wanted to show that the gospel speaks to every human need. And so the characters, as they go out and they share, um, they meet a Muslim imam. And he would be the, the, the typical, devout, highly respected Muslim. And then you have a radical jihadi who has, if you will, blood on his hands. Then you have this super materialistic doctor whose life ambition is to to acquire uh, possessions and comfort and luxury. Then there's a person who was abused as a child. And then you have a hard driving perfectionist who gets his self-worth from his his performance and what he can accomplish. And then you have an alcoholic who has a series of failures and so has basically given up on life, believed they're a failure and turned to drink. And so what I wanted to show is that the gospel speaks to every single one of these people. So the book starts with this team and they're going out and they're looking. And so eventually they're going to find each of these individuals. But what I wanted to show in the book is different approaches that you can use. Mm. It's kind of a tool tool, uh, belt approach. And so what we illustrate here is using a personal testimony, praying for the sick. There's a deliverance here. We, we use the camel method. We, we come alongside people and minister in a real practical way. And so what we're trying to do here is illustrate various tools that you can use to go out and find persons of peace. And as I mentioned, people are so different. Mm-hmm. And so admittedly, the characters are fairly extreme, you know, like, like the imam is like this mm-hmm. super, super religious, pious, devout person. And so um, they're going to eventually meet all these people. When they go out looking for persons of peace and they meet these individuals, they always invite them to study. And that's one of the key characteristics of DMM is we want to invite people to study as opposed to teaching or having one way our role is to say the word of God is living and active, and we invite them to to study. And of course, a strong emphasis is on application. Mm-hmm. So in the process of the book, the, the reader sees these different methods of finding persons of peace. They meet these characters, as I mentioned, are somewhat extreme, I guess, in terms of, of how I portrayed them. But they're all invited to study the word of God. And so they'll study the prophet stories, they'll study the Jesus stories. And at the very last Jesus story, every single person is invited to receive Jesus. Now, I want this to be a, a realistic book. And so there's plenty of failure along the way. And so not everyone who starts the process ends up. Okay. But I did want to show the, the various ways that people come to Christ. And so the majority of people do come to Christ and then they're immediately followed up. And so we have an intensive discipleship that we use for people that have just come to Christ to give them a firm grounding to help protect them from spiritual warfare. And honestly, because persecution is so real in virtually every movement, we wanted to show, you know, really the brutality of persecution. And so there's a martyr. There's some pretty brutal things that happen as a result of people coming to faith. Mm-hmm. But as they persevere, you know, we see the um, the church then grows into a healthy church and local leaders emerge. And so the book ends with local leaders coming together. They have ownership of, of the movement. Now it started with outsiders, 
and it's now owned by the insiders. And so they're they're growing, they're solving problems together, they're meeting as as leaders. And the initial team then are outsiders. They're just standing back and watching this process. And frankly, they're odd mm. because they're just odd that God has done this incredible work. And that's what that's what movements are. It's God's incredible work, and we get to be participants. Mm-hmm. And just we 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 God uses us. You know, we're so small, but He uses us. And then we step back and go, Lord, that is so amazing what we saw you do. Man, that's good. Thanks for that overview. One thing I might add, if I could, is um, one of the things when you're working with Muslims is you have to deal with certain um, obstacles. And so sooner or later, every time you have to deal with, has the Bible been corrupted? Mm-hmm. Did Jesus die on the cross? Is Jesus the son of God? And so I use the character of this imam. And though, so he wrestles with these issues and and we use apologetics from the Quran. And so he he wrestles with him and then he eventually comes out and he, of course, believes the Bible was not corrupted and Jesus did die on the cross and Jesus is the son of God. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I appreciated that as I've been engaging Muslims myself. So those were great, great. And that actually leads to my next question is somebody that would want to read it or they if they're not kind of have a, a Muslim focus, what, what can they gain? Or in other words, how much of the book is really specifically Muslim focused versus you'd be able to pull out some general like movement principles? Yes. So your readers would, or your listeners, I mean, would be familiar that within CPM, there's these universal principles that are applied everywhere, like extraordinary prayer, focus on God, his word, persons of peace. Okay, those things are are universal. They happen in every single movement. So what they see in Sermon Perseverance is that specific application to a Muslim context. Mm-hmm. So I look at Sermon Perseverance as somewhat of a case study. We're not saying this is what's going to happen in your place. This is what has happened in our particular particular place of ministry. Now, one thing Robbie helped me with was at the end of each chapter, we have discussion questions. And so the purpose of that is to pull out the principle, if you will, and then hopefully through the interactions with the people that are reading the book, they can think through how do we apply this principle to our specific context. So I would say in answer to your question, it is a both and. You you do start clearly with the biblical universal principles, but then they're very specific application to a a Muslim, folk Muslim. And I wouldn't even say, you know, an African Muslim, a Middle Eastern Muslim would be different than a Southeast Asian Muslim. And so we're trying to say, this is what it looks like in our Southeast Asian context. I'll just uh, add when James first sent me the manuscript, uh, I, my wife and I went on a, we're on a road trip and I read the manuscript to her and her response was, we could do this. Why don't we do this? And I uh, had a similar reaction from a friend. I sent a, a copy to for an endorsement, possible endorsement, working in the Philippines among a largely Catholic population. And uh, his uh, comment actually is on the back of the book. Um, something like, you know, these these principles work everywhere. Um, and uh, this has been the response I've seen that 
there is some stuff that's very insightful about how to connect with Muslims, but um, 90% maybe from my recollection of the book is just universal and uh, applicable, whether you're in Illinois or Washington or, uh, you know, Asia, uh, somewhere outside of the Muslim world. That's great. I found it really helpful just to think through some of those principles and and one that that was kind of a well hopefully it becomes a course correction but i wanted to ask james if there was any background to it and just i think it's even a footnote basically of as um the that the the team was basically trained or knew like if you have a good conversation with somebody a potential person of peace you come across a crisis you pray for someone to really follow up within 48 hours i find that i'm guilty of and i think it's probably maybe a largely a, a Western or a, an American issue that like, well, I'm going to fit this into my next weekly slot. And I'm going to just kind of put it out and instead saying, hey, if if there's a, a need, let's, let's really go for it right in that 48 hour window. So just was curious if there's any, maybe there's a story that backs that up or where, where, where that principle developed from. Yeah, it came out of experience. Um, I just did not, my wife and I noticed that sometimes our local partners lacked urgency. And so you, would have someone that's super hungry to study but yeah they would just put it into a weekly schedule or especially after someone was baptized what we found over and over again is they just get slammed with spiritual warfare Mm. and they get hit hard by the community and so what we found is they need they're they're a new spiritual baby and so they need intensive Mm. attention and so the 48 hours is somewhat arbitrary to say, let's make this urgent, yeah. especially when someone has been baptized. Um, let's let's just put everything aside. And I'll even tell people, even if you have groups that are going on, it's not going to hurt you to miss a week with them mm-hmm. because this is a new spiritual baby and realize they are getting hammered with spiritual warfare. So put everything aside and 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 focus on that person. This is true as well for someone who's experienced a healing and a deliverance because you know the, the scripture is so clear if, if a demon is cast out if that house isn't filled seven more evil are going to come mm-hmm. back and fill up that house. Well how do you fill the house? Well you fill the house with the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so what we say to our our local partners is, is we have to prioritize getting back there and helping them fill that house and so that that they, you know, a worse situation doesn't happen. This actually goes back to the parable of the sower. What happens with the seed that's sown on the ground? Well, the evil one comes and snatches it mm-hmm. away. Obviously, there's a spiritual part that we don't have a role in, but there's a part that we do have a role in, and it it, it can't be laziness mm-hmm. or a lack of urgency. And so, forty eight hours is just a way of saying, guys, there are certain circumstances that we need to be urgent to go back. Because sometimes God is moving and we need to move with him. Let's be urgent and prioritize where we clearly see the spirit of God moving. Yeah, that's great. I can, I could link to it. I know a story just in a Western context of someone that um, in, in Los Angeles, they baptized a couple people. And instead of like, hey, let's get something on the schedule in the next week or two, the, the follow up was, do you want to come over to our house right now? Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that that is such a good, good word and a good reminder. So I really appreciate that that was in there, man. This is just enjoyable. I love hearing these stories and love how you're sharing that. I would just be curious 
Um, you mentioned, I think Robbie mentioned Winning the House of Islam by David Garrison. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm always excited to hear what God's doing among Muslims. So just you this book has obviously real life stories that you've kind of composited together, but do any from either of you any stories come to mind right now that of what God's doing among Muslims, whether in Indonesia or anywhere? Um, would love to hear a story or two of what what God is up to. Well, your reader, I'm mean, sorry, your listeners will know that there are Muslims coming to faith in every single Muslim country in the world. Uh, we're talking about millions of, of people. And within the Indonesian context, there are, it's not an exaggeration to see thousands upon thousands of Muslims mm-hmm. coming to faith. And wow. so what we have seen in the last five years is a palpable openness that wasn't present beforehand. Mm-hmm. And so we can say that God is working everywhere in the world, and we see it firsthand within Indonesia. And so again, to your listeners, I would just say, join the work of God. Mm-hmm. Whether you're in Northwest, North America or somewhere else, God is at work, and we get to be a part of this. And it's exciting, and it's it's Matthew 24, 14. The gospel is going forth to every single people group. Uh, it's no longer theory. It's no longer being talked about. It is happening before our very eyes. At the end of last month, there was a podcast of a friend of mine talking about the work that they were involved with in Indonesia um, in their after five years of failed mission work among Muslims. They experienced the kind of breakthrough that James shows in the book and uh, that they've left that a long, work a long time ago, but that's continued and is one of the largest movements among Muslims now in mm. the, the world. Um, so that's uh, there. It's mm. just God is doing something very definitely among Muslims. I was thinking in my mind that uh, Islam, with the many um, Jesus-focused statements in the Quran, is much closer to it's there. There's a, a lot more bridges there for leading somebody to faith than there is, say, in the Hindu world, where uh, there are so many groups where we we still have to break through. but mm-hmm. And there's still a tremendous amount to be done among Muslims. Yeah. Yes, yeah. there is. Penny, I'll just share one story that happened since the book was published. Yeah. Uh, we had devastating earthquakes that happened on our island. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to organize uh, medical teams and we recruited, joined our, our local team. And so we would go into villages and... What used to be houses were now just rubble, piles mm-hmm. of rubble. And so we went into this one village and we found a place for doctors to to set up. And so they would set up and people would line up and be checked by the doctors. And they worked with our local team. And so the, the doctors would see the, the patient and then the local team would give them trauma debriefing, pray for them, put mm-hmm. an arm around the shoulder, listen to the stories. Well, there was a lady that came this one village and... She said, would you come see my son? He can't come here. So the doctor went to where he was staying. And of course, our house was total rubble. And so they had had scrounged together a tarp that was serving as their shelter. And so the story was, after the earthquake, he jumps out his motorcycle to go home. A rock had fallen onto the road. He hit the rock and broke both legs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So our team... The, the doctor checked in. We did the trauma debriefing and prayed for the family. The family was super, super open. And so we began the prophet stories. They said that all 10 prophet stories, all 14 Jesus stories. 
And they, this young man was, was Ryan. And so they equipped Ryan. He began leading his family through this process. They got to the last Jesus story. The, of course, the question is, who do men say that I am? And so Ryan and his family said, we believe Jesus is the son of God. He's our savior and Lord. They prayed to receive Christ. We did intensive follow-up. They did and, and baptized him and they grew into the house church. And then as they expanded, then they, we formed a, a leaders group. And so by that story, uh, hopefully you can hear some of the, the principles that we're talking about in terms of discovery, in terms of local leaders, mm-hmm. in terms of multiplication, and also in terms of practical ministry. Mm-hmm. So, so much of what we do is just practical. We're going in, we're putting an arm around someone's shoulder. Um, when there was an area that had, had flooding, you know, our partners were there putting sand in sandbags and then mm-hmm. buying shovels and, and shoveling out dirt from the houses. And so what I'm trying to share with this is that in DMM, it's it's very much of a roll your sleeves up, get your hands dirty in people's lives, serving them, inviting them to discover. And so um, that's just one example of what we're seeing God mm-hmm. do um, in the Muslim world. That's awesome. Man, that's an encouraging story. Thanks for sharing that. I love how you brought into, yeah, we um, are not separating this at all from the actual work of helping people. Um, that's part of bringing God's kingdom is just caring for those needs. So that's a great, yeah, absolutely great story is. that illustrates that. Yeah, and I just wondered um, how how have people then, as they've read the book, um, just any stories of somebody that saw it and um, is starting to maybe make change to their ministry? I don't know if you, know if you have stories of even some wins people have experienced, whether in a Muslim context or maybe just like we said, draw on some of the movement principles. But I'd love to give either of you a chance to share um, share anything in that vein. Yeah, thank you. Um, one of the comments that we hear pretty consistently is people will say something along the lines of, you know, I hear about millions of people coming to Christ. I hear 14 generations, but it's just so big. It's hard to really comprehend. And so the people say when they read the book, it's like, oh, now I see how you start. I see some step by step and how to develop. And so it seems to break the whole movement thing down into bite sized chunks that people can can apply. Um, the second thing is we get comments about the discussion questions at the end of the chapter. And so. Robbie helped me think through having short chapters. And typically what I I hear people are doing is they will read the chapter together. Let's say they have five or six people, they'll read the chapter together and then they'll discuss the questions. And so that appears to be really helpful to to what people are doing. Mm -hmm. And then people have actually said that the appendices uh, help them. So the back of the book has uh, story sets that we use. And so what I say to people is don't use our stories. That's specific to the worldview of a Southeast Asian Muslim. Mm-hmm. But it get, does give you a starting point. But what we would say to you is learn the worldview of your target people and then choose stories that fit the worldview. But people find that helpful to as a starting point uh, of what they can do in terms of developing their own story set. And then secondly, we have some append- an appendix related to apologetics. And so we use uh, verses from the Quran that people can use when they're talking to, to Muslims. And so people have found that helpful. And then I'll just add another thing is that it's, it's helpful as well for vision casting. So if people mm-hmm. are, are like, well, what exactly are you talking about? Movements or what is CPM? And what is, so um, it, it's actually been helpful for skeptics. And yeah. so they'll read the book and they go, oh, that's what you're talking about. 
Mm-hmm. And then I've known a number of people that have given the book to supporters. And so they want their supporters to understand what they're involved with. And so they'll give the book and they'll say, hey, this is what, what we're trusting God to, to do. And we're, so we're going overseas. And so we give you this book. So you have at least an idea when we say DMM, mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Oh, that's really good. I think I would affirm that. And I definitely want to hear from you too on this question, Robbie. But we can hear about, I think one of you already said this, we can hear about a movement, the T4T movement, right? As millions of people came to Christ and we're like, okay, what does that mean for me? Like, I can't do that. Like, but I love how it was just a, a handful of couples that started trying to be faithful with some specific practices. Just how you guys walked that out in the book was really helpful. So anyway, yeah, that- anything you would share? Well, yeah, that's really what's um, probably kept maintained my excitement about this book from the beginning is this, uh, that it it's the one book I know that really gives a picture. Uh, I think David Garrison said, uh, this opens the hood of a movement so you can actually see the engine and how it works, uh, something along those lines. But the uh, I think this is a tremendous uh, tool, not just for somebody that wants to train others and we get um, frequent requests for 20 copies for somebody who's doing a training program in mm-hmm. malawi or uh, various places but then uh, also for um, missionaries to send as a gift to their support base to raise their vision um, and their understanding and their perception of what the missionary is trying to do so that the people can pray much more effectively and and embrace and and you know lean into what uh, the missionary is seeking to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So we've actually uh, God's blessed me with enough resources that I'm able to just offer, and um, James has been supportive of this to just offer free copies in whatever format people want, and uh, they can go to stubbornperseverance.org. And you can see you can get a free review copy, claim a gift copy. You can offer gift copies uh, so missionaries can do that. And uh, we've actually got a large marketing plan that we've never I've never had energy to pursue. So if there is a listener out there who'd like to volunteer and uh, help with promoting this, they could contact me. Yeah, this is a, this is a book that I think... Um, shifts movements from just a vague concept where in the church a movement can be thousands of different things to a very clear picture it brings focus to this idea of what a movement is yeah that's great add something along those lines if i could yes please as i mentioned earlier we wanted to show different ways to look for persons of peace so for instance one of the ways is to pray for the sick and so in the discussion questions, they're ta- you know you talk about what you would do, how you would you'd go about doing this, and then you're actually held accountable. Okay, this week we're going to go out and we're going to look for an opportunity to pray for the sick. And so what we wanted to do is just make it practical. And so then you learn your personal testimony, and you go out and you share your personal testimony. And because Muslims have dreams a lot, then we ask people go out and ask Muslims. Have you ever had a dream about a man in white? Mm. So again, back to what we're saying here is we wanted to bring the the process down into very simple bite-sized steps. And again, as I said, our vision is to say, you can do this. This is so simple. And God is using people just like you and I 
learn this tool and go out and try it. That's great. I'd I'd be remiss to not ask where where did the title come from? Well, give credit to my wife. She uh, came up with it. Um, I think we wanted to communicate is that this is not an easy ministry. Hmm. All right. It is discouraging. It's it can be dangerous. And so you really gotta have a strong calling from God. I mean, I think we're all called, but you just have hmm. it has to be your calling. You we're all called, but then you own that. And you realize this is this is I'm in this for the long haul. It's gonna be costly for me. It's gonna cost time, money, perhaps safety. So I need to stub I need to persevere and do so stubbornly. Robbie's and my vision is to see more people involved. Mm-hmm. Right. And so especially for those listeners who live in North America, I would just appeal to you to say, Muslims are hungry, Muslims are searching, and you would be surprised at how friendly and hospitable and how welcoming Muslims are. And so oftentimes what Rhonda and I find, my wife and I find is that the problem is actually us. Mm. We just, we feel awkward. We don't know what to say. And so my appeal to you is say, just try. (laughs) Love covers a multitude of sins. And so you don't have to have a perfect approach. You don't even have to know what you're doing. Just go up, get to know Muslims, and you'll be so surprised actually how easy it is to get into a spiritual conversation. Mm-hmm. If you talk to your average American, it's sometimes difficult to get into a spiritual conversation, not so with a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Their worldview is spiritual, and so it's easy to get into a, a conversation on spiritual topics. And so as long as you're respectful, then I, I think you'll, you'll, you'll be able to get into a meaningful conversation. So my appeal to you listeners is to say, if you know Muslims, maybe you just need to open your eyes to see they're actually around you. They're mm-hmm. you're in your neighborhood or at your your schools. And so just try. Just love Muslims. Now is the time. A professor of mine said, it's never been a better time for Muslim ministry, and it's getting better. And mm-hmm. so I would invite the listeners, join the work that God is doing and allow him to use you and take joy that you are being used to see lost Muslims brought into the kingdom. You can find links to Stubborn Perseverance in the show notes at ontheroad.link. If you want to join a 24-7 prayer initiative for Muslims of a specific people or place, check out prayformovement.org. That's pray4movement.org. And look for the Ramadan 2024 tab. From there, you can find dozens of peoples or places to sign up to pray for. And with two weeks until Ramadan, now is the time to sign up. Thanks for listening. This is Feeney, encouraging you to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard.